0: The most valuable lessons I took away. Um, number one is resourcefulness. I mean, the, Madonna. I don't think she would be. Uh, I don't think she would fight me on this. Uh, she she's not somebody that is willing to hear no. You find a way. You just figure out how to make things happen, and that is that resourcefulness has as a skill set has served me so well throughout my life and my career, and just like believing that I could find a way. Um, and that was really instilled instilled in me in that time. Um, the second is I built an incredible network. Uh, and this was, you know, again, first job. So I didn't really know the value of a network. I didn't really understand what I was building when I was building. I was just trying to be like a nice, helpful person and like um, be friendly and, you know, kind of be a great representation of her out in the world, but, you know, as, as her assistant, kind of most, most people went through me. And so I got to know a, a lot of really, really um, high profile people that I would, you know, know for, for many years, I got to understand, you know, like incredible designers and uh, creatives and just like I don't, built an incredible network. Um, and I think the third thing is I really, I was so interested in how she evaluated deals and opportunities and what she said no to and what she said yes to. And so that understanding how a celebrity, how somebody in music, how somebody so high profile, who's got just tons of incredible opportunities, coming, what their kind of decision tree looks like and what's important to them, um, that is... Uh, It turns out a very, very specific skill that I I learned and was able to take away. And I think um, has has served me well in my career since then.
1: Hello, I'm your host, Mike Gelb, and this is the Consumer VC podcast where we discuss the intersection of venture capital and consumer innovation. If you're enjoying the show and want the full experience, subscribe to my newsletter at theconsumervc.com. You'll receive new episodes straight to your inbox and a weekly recap of all the consumer deals that are happening, all the fundraisers, M&A transactions, bankruptcies. All content and episodes are for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not investment advice. Our guest today is Denise Lamberton, who is a managing partner of Constellation Capital and the chairwoman and founder of LMS. LMS was one of the first influencer marketing agencies. They were kind of there even before influencer was a thing and when it became a thing. And uh, we discussed how it came to be um, the relationship between, you know, celebrity talent and uh, consumer. Um, and then also why she ended up focusing on emerging brands. Um, we actually didn't really get into the constellation capital vc investing side for this episode we'll have to do that another time uh but i'm um, really excited about this one because we really focus on that kind of relationship between talent and brand um and how she seems it in terms of what the right partnership is and how it can and and also can't work um or might not work without further ado here's an Denise, thank you so much for joining me here today. How are you?
0: Hey, Mike, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, so I want to start off but very early in your career. How did you become the assistant for Madonna? And also, what, what kind of attracted you to the music biz from the very beginning?
0: So what attracted me to music is I come from a music business family. Um, my dad is in the music merchandising industry from the San Francisco Bay area in the, uh, starting in the sixties and seventies, like kind of at the beginning of it all. So the music industry was in my blood. Um, and I, you know, went to school for marketing, got out of college, thought I was going to go work for my dad's company, uh, and just figured that would be my path, which was, you know, cool. It was, you know, t-shirts and concerts, etc. cetera. Uh, and, you know, you know, he was um, always in some sort of transaction, either selling his company or buying it back. And for, you know, whatever, what, whatever transaction that was at the time, he couldn't put another uh, family member on, on the books. And so he said to me, uh, why don't you go, I'm going to help you get an internship. Go uh, work over, you know, here with my my former um, employee at, at Maverick Records um, in their branding department. Um, and when when I'm through this transaction, I'm gonna I'm gonna like bring you back over. Uh, so that's how that's how I got into the music industry, and or I always knew I was gonna be in the music industry, uh, but I just I thought my path was gonna be totally different. Um, I went to be an intern at Maverick Films, which was, you know, Maverick is a company that was owned by Madonna um, in the uh, late '90s and into the 2000s, and she had a record label, Maverick Records, and she also had a film department, uh, Maverick Films, and I was in the product placement department as uh, um, an intern at Maverick, at Maverick Films, and we were, you know, the big the big movie that we worked on when I was there, I think was like material girls with the Duff sisters um, and like, oh you gosh. know, getting Maybelline as in as a partner. Right. Cause I think one of them uh, worked in, you know, worked for a makeup brand. And so that was how I started out. But, you know, honestly, that department of Maverick films ended up getting dissolved kind of quickly when I was there. Um, and it just so happened that Madonna's manager, um, her office was on the same floor and it was in the front of the building. And, um, I was an intern, so I was very inexpensive and I was very, um, very driven and very ambitious. And when, you know, when this other opportunity went away, uh, her manager pulled me into, to the management company and to the management team. Um, and then from there, the, that manager, uh, moved on and, the madonna's current assistant got promoted to beer manager and i got pulled up into the assistant role and it honestly was like a series of happy accidents it all happened so fast i look back now and i was like how on earth did i i feel like a little bit of um uh like i just kind of stumbled my way into that you know without a lot of intention or planning i was just like okay here i am now um and you know i was with madonna for six years um you know, three world tours. Uh, I got to live in London when for a few years when she was there, which was you know life changing for somebody in their um, in their twenties. And just you know had a front row seat, no pun intended, to like one of the biggest and um, best pro like brand architects and creatives uh, uh, of all time. So it was outrageously hard work but incredibly incredibly interesting
1: as you look back to that period and working you know six years for madonna what were some of your biggest learnings from that experience
0: it's something i've thought about a lot over the years is uh you know there's the real didactic tactical you know i can run a photo shoot i can you know put together a music video i understand publishing and uh rights and and all these but but really the the most valuable lessons I took away um, number one is resourcefulness. I mean, Madonna, I don't think she would be uh, I don't think she would fight me on this. Uh, She, she's not somebody that is willing to hear. No, you find a way you just figure out how to make things happen. And that is that resourcefulness has as a skill set has served me so well throughout my life and my career. And just like believing, that I could find a way. Um, and that was really instilled instilled in me in that time. Um, the second is I built an incredible network. Uh, and this was, you know, again, first job. So I didn't really know the value of a network. I didn't really understand what I was building when I was building. I was just trying to be like a nice, helpful person and like um, be friendly and, you know, kind of be a great representation of her out in the world but you know as as her assistant kind of most most people went through me and so i got to know a, a lot of really really um high profile people that i would you know know for for many years i got to understand you know like incredible designers and uh creatives and just like i don't, built an incredible network um and i think the third thing is i really i was so interested in how she evaluated deals and opportunities and what she said no to and what she said yes to. And so that understanding how a celebrity, how somebody in music, how somebody so high profile, who's got just tons of incredible opportunities, what their kind of decision tree looks like and what's important to them, um, that is... Uh, it turns out a very, very specific skill that I I learned and was able to take away. And I think um, has has served me well in my career since then.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, I mean, someone like Madonna, they're probably getting, she's probably getting thrown, you know, tons and tons of opportunities every day. And so it's what what is she actually, you know, kind of leaning into and saying, oh, wow, this actually might be interesting versus, you know, the 99% that she's, you know, saying no to. So I'd imagine that that was, uh, probably pretty, pretty helpful. Um, so you, you, you so, so you build this whole network, I guess, and the, underpin- the underpinnings of this is, 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 is the music business. Why did you decide to leave the music biz after, after six years?
0: Well, unlike a traditional organization, when you work in a kind of hybrid family environment and uh you know business environment there's not like a traditional growth path like you know there's not um like somebody has to leave or um you know retire or um whatever and and there's really you just kind of wait until that happens and i I looked at, you know, the team that she had around her and they were incredible. Her publicist had been with her for such a long time. I adored her. Her manager was fantastic. And I was like, and I also didn't really see myself in either of those positions. And I, I just, I really struggled to find, figure out like where I could go from there. And I got to a point where I was like, I I can, if I stay, I'll continue to do some I'll, I'll continue to do incredible things have incredible experiences but like i'll i'll be a career assistant and or you know is seven years gonna look better than six years is eight like i don't think so right mm-hmm. and so yeah. i need to make a decision now that i'm going to you know move on and and like kind of figure out where my next thing is to be or else i could be very much stuck in, and I didn't want to stay as an executive assistant. That wasn't, you know, I really, you know, I really enjoy business and I knew that I wanted to be in, in some form of business. So, uh, you know, and, and as a part of that reflection, when I was contemplating leaving, I was kind of like, well, where, if, I know I'm not going to stay here with her. Um, but where, like, where in the music industry do I get excited? Like, what have I enjoyed about this, you know, with her so far? Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't like, love the music part. I loved the brand stuff. I loved, you know, I, I loved, uh, the partnerships that she did. I love watching her creative process. I loved watching it all come. To, I was like, I was always very driven to the, uh, to the product and brand side. And that was, you know, at the, a little bit at the beginning of the crossover, meaning, you know, if you think about the timeline of, uh, celebrities and brands, even legacy brands, and, um, you know, uh, for many years, especially music, you know, celebrities didn't do brand deals in the U.S. It was like, degre- you know, and then, in before the implosion of the, the CD business, like you did that in, in Asia where nobody could see. And it was like, you didn't do it right. Like you, that was not the way that you connected with your fans. Cause you had, they were making so much money in the Uh, Selling CDs, but when that imploded, all of a sudden, you know, the supermodel era, you know, came to a close because celebrities were now going to be on the like going to be the models and the endorsers of these brands, and so she was really early in that, and I, I really kind of understood that that celebrity and brand was going to come together, and it was starting to become more common and uh, less stigmatized in the U.S. and um, and I felt like I really wanted to be a part of of that of uh, music and marketing and music and brand and how those things were going to come together. But honestly Mike, I don't I didn't have a ton of vocabulary for it at the time. I just kind of knew what I didn't want. Um, and I you know I, I resigned uh, and left Madonna in the spring of 2009. I had been in a total what I call Madonna bubble. I d- had no idea that the global financial crisis was happening. I had no idea that there were no jobs. I was just like not paying attention because I was, you know, so enmeshed in, in her world. And so I, you know, I very naively thought that the whole business world was just waiting for me to leave that job and was going to be like, what, you know, what role do you want in here at Google, here at, you know, um, Kellogg, whatever it was. And uh, I I had a, a bit of a rude awakening, which which was, you know, that, you um, a lot, I got, it was very easy for me to get interviews and people thought what I, my background was really interesting, but it was also very broad and nobody really knew where to put me. And there weren't a lot of jobs. So, um, you know, it was, it was a real kind of identity crisis moment, um, of like, okay, gosh, what, well, I just left this great thing and I don't really know what I want and nobody really knows what to do with me.
1: Wow. Um, so so take me to that i mean first of all when i think about celebrity and brand or like celebrities releasing products especially on the music side i immediately just think of kiss because kiss like licenses everything pretty much um on their brand name and definitely monetize it from that way and um just wanted to want to shit out there I, I i always gravitate towards what like kiss did and i thought it was just so like i mean it's i think there was like an episode they like did like I think there's like even like kiss coffins or something crazy, but um, it's like really, really, really pretty wild. So take me to like um the financial crisis in, in 2009. How did you think then about what you wanted to do next? Then since there wasn't a lot of jobs,
0: you know, I kind of just went into like how you know let let me find projects that that will help me pay my rent basically, and um, you know that was. Shifting that mindset was a big unlock for me because there was a lot of uh, freelance uh, money on people's but like you know that's where brands or that's where companies were willing to spend money is in like ten ninety nine and so uh, and and once I opened myself up to that I started to see what these companies found um, valuable in my skill set which is my relationships my ability to connect uh, and to like you know kind of bridge this gap these two worlds that really wanted to work together, but didn't understand each other, you know, the business world and the entertainment or music or celebrity world. Right. And so my ability to, um, you know, kind of help these big, and it, it, I wasn't yet into startups at the time. It was, you know, these bigger uh, blue chip brands. I, even then it's, it's hard to imagine a time where there, wa- there wasn't a pack for those companies to under, but there was, they just didn't really know how to do um, the kinds of partnerships that they wanted to do. And so I ended up, uh, being a consultant and, uh, and like connecting celebrities and brands. And there was a little bit of, you know, like talent wrangling at the time, uh, as well, kind of, you know, it ebbed and flowed into all sorts of different things. But, um, I, I really, I was like, okay, well, this is, this is where my very specific experience is going to, uh, it has landed me like, cool.
1: Talk to me a little bit about how you thought about, cause you're, you're kind of like the deal maker, right? You're, you're bringing these two groups together. You're bringing talent together with, with the actual brands themselves. T-t-t-t- first of all, talk me through like, what were the, what were, what were the brands, these blue chip brands kind of looking for? Um, and then also how did you match that to talent or your network? And in terms of, and, and bringing the, these two sides together.
0: Let me frame this in a calendar perspective. It's like now 2010, 11, 12. So you also have to remember social media is just starting to happen. Like this is pre Instagram. Still, Facebook is you know come out of the college community and has started to embrace the world. We're like you know leaving the MySpace era, etc. And so um, that was a very hard concept for brands like these big blue chip brands to to um, grasp. And I found that you know the The value a a celebrity could bring on Twitter or Facebook um, was acknowledged, but how it was executed was really misunderstood. For instance, um, we're going to launch this this contest uh, with a celebrity partner and every tweet needs to be run through legal. Okay, well, like you know, that's not really the way the world works. But like that was the mentality. Like you know, any kind of um, uh, touch point needed to be
1: like eye. by the book.
0: So it was. It was. Um, you know, and and then you were also in the era of like, and this was not my deal in in any way. And I don't mean to like shine a spotlight onto a negative, but like you know, the era of um, when like Alicia Keys did the. Uh, the iPhone promotion, but like sent it from a Blackberry or vice versa, right? And it like still said sent from like, so everyone was just trying to figure it out at that time, like how to integrate social media, how to go from like really traditional endorsement, media, production days, PR into this new world of social. Um, and so I, you know, I took that skill set of understanding what was important to celebrities and how they made their decisions, etc., And I tried to bring it, you know, into the realm of brand partnerships and then also like layer in the realities of social media. And that just uh, like put me in a position, just like a, a, just like really unique position, frankly. And, um, you know, it, it looking back, I didn't, I yet had not yet been introduced to the world of startup, but like, It was, um, there's not a ton of passion from the individual employee at a, at a like, you know, blue chip company or or that's rare, right? It's, and so um, that, that I think was really the missing piece is there was like this, this wasn't passion or excitement that was driving either side. It was still very kind of transactional.
1: Got it. And, and, and also these, these were just kind of like your, your, your. Traditional endorsements. There was no kind of like equity involved or like that kind of piece. It was okay. We're gonna sign you up. We're gonna pay you X amount. We're gonna do uh, this, that, and the other commercial or post or what have you. And and you getting you, you kind of get paid for that. But there's no actually like attachment to the brand, right?
0: No, but it, it's funny you mentioned that because you know in the in the background of you know me being in New York and starting to work on these deals um you know the timeline was right after vitamin water got acquired by coca cola and the massive 50 cent legend of like his equity stake and how much he, that was like making that was tidal waves through the celebrity community oh my gosh equity oh my gosh this deal oh my god i want a deal like this and that really that deal which you know again i had nothing to do with was in the background was just it it was so um it was it was such a point of inflection for the entertainment community, especially those that were early adopters to, um, you know, just like in general to business, et cetera, uh, that they, I would be bringing this, you know, my network blue chip, you know, endorsement transactional things. And they'd be like, okay, that sounds great. I'll do that. But like, do you know any brands like vitamin water? Could I, I would really like to do something with equity like Denise, can you go help me find my vitamin water? And that is, was literally how I was like, okay, well, cool. What's a startup? Like, what does this mean? How would I find one? And I started to look around um, in New York and I was like, oh, you know, I, I just downloaded Uber for the first time. Like, you know, a, a blueprint juice cleanse, like that, that's a new thing. Like I started to recognize, you know, the difference between a startup and a, like, I just had never been exposed that I didn't go to school. And, uh, you know, uh, Warby Parker's another example of one where I was like, okay. Um, and so I just, at that point I was like, well, you know, this is what my network is looking for. Like, you know, kind of like, let me go see, see if I can find a brand to consult for that's a startup that would want something like this. And, um, you know through through a series of uh, happy accidents, I fell into a um, a consulting arrangement with guilt group kind of right at the height of the daily deals uh, craze right um, and Mike, i I will never forget the feeling of walking into the guilt group office and like just immediately understanding the difference between that environment and the, you know, the legacy. Blue chip. (laughs) I mean, young people everywhere, like moving, walking around with laptops, um, a ping pong table in the corner, like, you know, just excitement, uh, you know, beer Fridays, like all of the things. And I was like, okay, this is fun. These people like are having fun with their job and this is a cool company. Like I want to be here. Like this is where I would rather spend my time. So I understand like, you know, I think I understand how, um, a celebrity would be like excited about this environment and this passion. The celebrities are not my clients. Uh, they're just my network. I I, work on behalf of it, right? like, I don't, I, when I stopped working for Madonna, I really did not want to represent individual talent. I was like, I can, you know, I, I want to be, I want to be agnostic to, uh, like the who, and just find the right person. And I, I like you know, so th- it would just feedback. Like I'd go to somebody and on. Behalf- I was working for the the brand, and I would go to somebody, and they'd be like, "I really like this, but hey, Denise, do you know any startups?" That was really, um, and, and that is, uh, you know, kind of differentiated me from the agent world and the management world, right?
1: You're <laughs> so, a consultant. You're not actually like an agent.
0: Yeah, and I'm not taking commission out of anyone. You know, I'm I'm getting paid by the brand, so it made me a very appealing person. Like my, my calls would get answered because I was just opportunities. I was like, what about this one? What about this one? As opposed to, um, you know, like, Hey, can you, I need to make my percentage on this. So, you know, in the beginning that was a really, that um, that really helped me build relationships too, is that, uh, that I was always bringing opportunities.
1: How did you approach like, like the making process from like this perspective when it comes to equity versus, you know, like a traditional, maybe transaction, um, dollar value transaction and that you're and probably that not work. budgeted. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: So, um, I just, I, my perspective with startups was, um, uh, I was really inexpensive and I, I wanted to make a little bit of um, a little bit of like a retainer or a project feed to keep my lights on. But I wanted to also be incentivized along with the talent that I brought in and take a piece of equity. I was like, you know, but I didn't really have any idea what I was doing like, at all. Like I was just like, okay, everyone wants equities. I want equity too. Like no, um, no concept of what that, what that was, what that meant. And, um, what I did I had to teach it to myself. I had to learn it, you know, myself, which meant a lot of YouTube, a lot of research. And also just, uh, you know, I would, I'd start working for these, with these brands and I would ask the founder or whoever was in charge from the brand side to join me on these calls and explain the opportunity to the talent representation that I brought in. Um, and I would listen to how they would talk about, uh, you know, uh, exit strategies and cap tables and, uh, liquidation preference. And I would just, you know, school of YouTube. Okay. I'd be like, okay, well, what, what did this, you know, what did you say? Like, I, it's funny. I still have a bunch of those notes and I look back now and I'm like, God, I really, you know, I was just like, I just was trying hard not to sound stupid. So I would like take what I learned, I heard, and then just, you know, figure it out and, and test run it a little bit like, okay. Um, but I, I got kind of lucky in the beginning because, um, I, I could have done some really good deals that were structured poorly. Um, And the, you know, that, that wasn't the case. The brands I work was working with in the beginning had a lot of um, integrity and they weren't trying to do bad deals with celebrity, you know what I mean? So, uh, but, but that was just pure luck. Cause I really did not know in the beginning how something should be structured. I went at it from a marketer's point of view. Um, I was, you know, and, and that's really how I got into healthy or like, you know, consumer products, uh, good for you, good for the world products, which is where the majority of my business and investments are now. Um, it, you know, it's just like, how would the celebrity merchandise this relationship in their life in a way that's really authentic, uh, which is, you know, kind of a, a buzzword now, but it, you know, like, but that was, uh, you know, like it's really easy for an athlete to, uh, you know, to believe that an athlete's going to be on a juice cleanse if they're like, you know, if the thing is inflammation or it's like really easy, you know, to believe that like, you know, somebody who's training to be in the next Marvel movie is going to care a lot about like the supplements that, you know, right. Like, as opposed to, uh, you know, I just downloaded this app, uh, you know, for like, a lot of stuff that was going on before um, consumer products was in tech. So that was kind of the, like, you know, um, Justin Bieber, uh, like a, you know, uh, participating in like apps that you download, like uh, that were trying to compete with a Facebook. I can't remember the name, like the one that
1: you. Oh up, yes, you know, um, I remember. Or, that. or I remember something that. like
0: that, and that's so hard to talk about how you're going to use that as a celebrity. Like you can't connect. I think shots is that right? Um, Foursquare was one, and I have, actually have no idea if Justin Bieber invested in Foursquare, but like it was those, it was like that group of celebrity and like those kinds of. Apps and deals. And it just, the marketing narrative didn't make sense. And that to me was always where I started. Like, does this make sense? Because I have felt that traditional advertising has become like, you know, at that point, especially, I'm just really like not believable. Like, I don't believe that Sarah Jessica Parker colors her hair with Garnier Nutrice for $9.99. I just don't. Like, no, sh- And like, no, Garnier Nutrisse is a great product. Sarah Jessica Parker is a wonderful person, but like, that is not, like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like what would make sense, right? Like those were the, that's how I was approaching, you know, finding the right person and unlocking these narratives. Then from there we would go to, well, how are we going to tell this story? Which are, you know, deliverables, Right. And then it becomes, okay, well, what is the potential value of those deliverables? What would it be in cash if that person was going to be paid their market rate today? Mm-hmm. And therefore, what should it be in equity? Right. And so it was like, it was kind of just even that linear. It's just starting there and kind of step by step by step, getting to um, getting to a structure.
1: I'd love to dive into a bit more about the structure because I think it's so, so fascinating and so interesting. And I really appreciate also your, Sarah, Jessica Parker uh, uh example there um um uh, too in terms of what actually is authentic versus maybe what's what doesn't appear to be authentic. Um who actually knows if she actually used used their product or not, but it just doesn't seem probably that th- that she doesn't. When you're meeting with the brands, like what types of questions are you asking in terms of um and what typically um obviously they're, you know, looking for um, you know, distribution and what have you, and um, and and obviously uh, uh, to, you know, uh, scale and growth and what have you, and, and kind of relying on, um, or, you know, leveraging, um, uh, talent in order, in, in order to achieve, uh, uh, uh maybe part, uh, part of those goals. But what are some of the questions that you're kind of asking them in terms of, um, uh, in terms of just making sure that like they're the, that, that someone in your network that this person may be a right fit for them?
0: I developed a real methodology that, you know, looking back on is like a form of diligence, but again, didn't know, didn't have the, you know, the vocabulary that the business acumen to look at it that way. But, you know, I, and I have, I had a really strong sense early on, like, I don't represent the celebrity, but you, you know, and I, and I saw this on, uh, I don't know if it was your Twitter or your LinkedIn, or, but like your, your net worth is your network or your network is your network, right? So doing right by that community was really important to me. And I took that very seriously, even though, um, you know, cause I was bringing them into like a risky deal, right? That's what it is. High risk, high reward. So I, the, the methodology I developed started with product, like, you know, whatever the promise, whatever promise your product is making, is it a functional promise? Is it a um, ingredient promise? Is it a, like whatever that is, is it actually true can you stand by it right like at the end of the day you know is it a taste is it a you know uh you just don't you don't have nothing if you don't have that and that will be the first thing that a celebrity's fans come for if if it's not accurate right um the second is uh brand because i i am a marketer uh so you know what is it what are you called can i pronounce your name uh you know and this is beginning to be the, you know, the Facebook, Instagram uh, era. So like, you know, what does the packaging look like? Does it look good in a picture? How much of explaining does it need to do? You know, like there was a time when it was really important to me, like how, how do we make a hashtag out of that? Like, you know, what is, do you have a brand that is, that is strong enough that can, like, if a celebrity, you know, gives it a spotlight that can actually, you know, make something of that moment. Um, and if you don't, that's fine here's you know go to a creative age to go go kind of work your stuff out and then come back and we'll do it right if you've got the product but you don't have the brand yet fine but like you're not going to be happy with what a celebrity does for a brand that isn't working right um the next for me was team um you know ultimately i put the deal together but but the, now this person's a, a partial owner of your business like do you you know would i feel comfortable putting this the celebrity relationship in that person's hand like do you know how much experience do they have uh have they started and sold another company if not who's on their board like who are they are they um mentorable are they t- like are they going to be somebody who will like listen and grow etc with advisors um you know because i think i think we all know great businesses great companies great products that have been totally set up for success but like founder hubris is a real thing and like you know it's um can be really challenging I, you know great businesses great products die on the vine all the time because of of you know poor team so understanding the team and having a real sense of um you know can they be a good partner to this person uh and can they really drive value for their own business um the next is capitalization uh you know, it's, I, I like to say one Instagram post, one tweet, one Facebook, that's not a marketing plan. So, you know, like, yes, I'm going to bring this person and they're going to get equity and you do not have to pay them a cash fee, but like, you have to have enough money to actually support whatever the marketing is in order to get it out, to get enough out of them. And you have to be marketing in other ways as well. Like there, this is one piece of a pie. This is not the whole entire strategy. And if it is like, that's not a solid strategy. And I wouldn't put a, put all that pressure on a celebrity to build the sales of a brand on their back. Um, and then the fifth is gut instinct, you know, which I, uh, which, you know, I've gotten all the way through four and been like, Oh, I just don't know that this is the thing. And, you know, uh, Hey, I've, I've pulled things that I shouldn't have pulled and I've gone forward with things I shouldn't have, but I'd always listen to that as a, uh, you know, I kind of always listen to that inner voice too.
1: I appreciate you uh you letting us know like your how you think about like evaluating opportunities and and as well as kind of like your own your own due diligence process. Do you find that there's cause it seems like right now there's a ton of brands that are looking for, you know, talent to be involved. And also there's a ton of talent that are looking to be involved with brands. But do you do you find through, you know, um, be the deal maker in a number of different um, projects or, and, 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 and bringing these, these, these two sides together. Do you, do you find there's like a kind of a minimum threshold, um, on the brand side where it actually makes sense that, Hey, maybe this is that now, like the time that you maybe want to consider talent, um, at like the minimum stages.
0: Yes. So it, and it really has a lot to do with distribution and distribution strategy. So uh, you know, when I transitioned and started to learn about the, um, you know, the CPG category. Um, And that was another whole education that, that had to happen, but uh, you know, pre 2018, 2017, you know, CPG brands weren't D to C first. Like that was, you know, they were kind of, that category is like the last to go D to C. Like people were, you know, Whole Foods and, um, you know, Target, like you still went to the grocery store, like Instacart wasn't even as big a thing. Um, And so, I will looking at, um, you know, what's your distribution, like, can you even take, uh, is your infrastructure set up to what, to take advantage of what a celebrity could bring? Like, will it break you? That was one big piece. Um, and second, like, you know, are you actually going to get the full value out of this partnership? Because you are paying for the whole celebrity they're, you're paying for their fan, like inequity, right? Like you are paying for their fans in Asia. You are paying, paying for every, like, they're not going to say just because you're only available in the Northeast my value is only like connected to that. And, and fair enough. Right. So if your product and your, in your business is not, um, you know, it's only in a few markets, like it, it's probably not the right time to do a celebrity partnership, right? Because 98% of the people that are going to hear about it for the first time can't actually walk into a store and purchase your product. So it, you know, that has been, um, you know, that changed a lot when, when, uh, C became a more popular channel for this category. Um, but it, it changed only in the sense that, um, you know, the understanding, uh, shipping time, spoilage, um, you know, like supply chain, customer service, like all of those things, like can, can a, whatever a celebrity does, um, as far as sending people to your business, like, are you ready for that? Do you have the inventory? Do you know how to inventory plan for that? Like, how are we going to, you know, are you capturing, um, all the people that come in abandoned cart? Like, how do we get the full, the full, full benefit out of this relationship um, that is beyond just that first transaction?
1: Well, I mean, also like, how are, how do you think about constructing these types of um, deals or partnerships um, where, you know, different to your um, typical endorsement deal? It's like, okay, you have to do the X, Y, and Z, and then that's it. Right where this is long term, you actually do have equity in the company, uh, but I'd imagine in terms of what your maybe responsibilities are or 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 what you do, it can be is it is it kind of vague in terms of how you actually promote the product or or kind of leverage your own distribution or how are you thinking about like the overall how do you think about the overall structure with the the celebrity talent and the brand?
0: It has become very very. Um like complex. There's just so many options now. So, you know, back to your earlier question, which is like, what do you look for in brands? And I kind of took you through the five steps, you know, now in this, in this iteration of celebrity partnerships with brands, with brands I really, insist on some strategy work to be done up front which is like you know are uh which is running out a bunch of those different options so um you know are we looking for one person or are we looking for like a group of three do we want them to invest and then they can just be uh an investor that, um, has no real deliverables, but just supports the brand? Or do you want to build a marketing campaign around them? If you want to build a marketing campaign, are we trying to drive people in store? Are we trying to drive them to the website? Like what, you know, cause that's a different person, right? Like there's, um, you know, there, there's so many different ways to put this together and celebrity and from a brand perspective is everyone at the company has an opinion, right? from the smallest investor to the board to, you know, like the CTO, like ops, everyone has an opinion when it comes. So like buy-in from all stakeholders, like, okay, this is the plan that we're going to go out with. We're going to do four, you know, um, mid tier celebrities, uh, that, you know, and we're going to give up X amount of equity and this is what we're going to get back. And we're going to require them to invest, but the investment's going to be at a discount and therefore, you know, and the deliverables are in year one, but then they're investors forever. So we're going to ask them to do one post a year after that, but they don't, you know, we're not going to dictate what it is, right? Like is everyone in on this is everyone bought into this because I'm going to go out and make offers. Now we're going to start this. And it's really hard you know, to rebuild relationships if somebody all of a sudden gets cold feet. So, like having that strategy, understanding what you're going to, what the potential is um, that they will get back for, you know, the equity, for the marketing um, spend against the activations, all of that is, uh, I try and get, I try and educate uh, and get and build a few different, um, a few different. Uh, paths and then get buy-in from all stakeholders before we even go out because it's, it, there's just, it's like the best of times and the worst of times. It's like the absolute, it's so great. You can do it so many different ways, but oh my God, there's so many ways to do it now. Like, how do you pick the right one for you?
1: I could imagine that you have like a structure where it's like, okay, we're going to do a marketing campaign and you're part of the equity. But then of course, equity, it's permanent until of course you you know exit e- exit the company, which is you know probably going to be in a while. And then you turn around, you know, a year or two, oh, okay, we want you to execute and do this again. It's like, well, I already, you know, did that, but you know, you're a shareholder. You know, it's it's it it can get complex. So well, I guess just making sure that this deal and kind of all the all and, and all the, the kind of the requirements that you're asking of the talent actually be included in the deal upfront.
0: Yes. But then you also as a brand have to understand that that like, you know, that there is a limit to what you can ask for. Um, right. And so what the The suggestion I give to the brand and uh, is once those deliverables, those original deliverables are have been met, uh, it's really the brand's responsibility to keep the celebrity engaged. Like, make sure you're still sending them product, give them updates, tell them where you need help, and it can't always just be to post for you. Like, hey, I really, you know, do you know anybody that can uh, make an an intro? uh, You know, to I don't know, to, a, a, another rate investor, or like, there are so many different ways. I mean, celebrities are really well-networked people like, Hey, you know, um, you want to just give this out to 10 of your friends on set next week. Like, let me put like, it's, and, and what I find is that the majority of celebrities when they, when they have equity in a business, but their deliverables have been executed, they still want to help. They still want to support, um, but like, they don't wake up every morning and thinking about your brand is the first thing Like you have to make it easy for them to help. And you have to understand that not everything you ask for is going to be a yes. And like, that's just the nature of business. So, you know, foster that relationship, um, you know, share, share with them the way, like keep them engaged in the business. And for the most part, they'll they'll be good friends to the business
1: yeah, no, exactly. That's like, that, I mean, ultimately, like, they aren't the ones that are operating the business, right? And so, in terms of like what you, the requirements are and kind of like the deliverables that you kind of seek, like, make sure that's kind of upfront in the deal and not, you know, have to ping them and say, oh, we want to run like a, a total, another, you know, very intensive marketing campaign with you. Um, and we're not going to, you know, pay you at all um, since you already have equity in the business or you want our business to, you know, succeed and what have you. How are you thinking about the landscape today? Because this is like a pretty, pretty interesting place. There's been a lot of, uh, there's been a few celebrity brands that have done, you know, quite well, um, or or talent led brands that have done done well. There's certainly also talent led brands that haven't done well. Um, and it seems like everyone's kind of searching for for talent led. Considering, you know, on the on the on the Facebook ad side and Meta, it's just really expensive in terms of growing by ads. So people are so so brands are looking at talent. How are you thinking about this all today?
0: it's such a fun time first of all you know the the when i reflect on where especially on the entertainment industry like where we started and where we are now just the um understanding of equity structures has like exploded from the entertainment industry right like in the beginning i was like i was learning and i was trying to teach others and like i would get major roblox if uh you know, manager or an agent couldn't figure out how to commission equity and couldn't didn't have the right vocabulary to talk to their own client about it. So like just that in and of itself has been like it it provides so many more opportunities now. Uh, and there I, I would say I believe we're at the beginning of a trend in cons in like consumption where consumers really want to understand like the the people behind the brands that they buy. And I think that is especially true of the next generation coming up, right? Um, nobody wants to think about a, a bunch of old uh, n- people in a boardroom uh, making decisions based on a focus group about like the things that they are gonna, you know, especially consume or use, um, you know, for their health. So whether it's a founder, founder marketing has become like a, just, you know, a, a, an off, uh, right? Founder marketing is super important. Um, and what we're also seeing is, um, you know, celebrity, influencer, creator, athlete, like starting and leading brands like as founders, as co-founders. And I, I believe uh, and we'll have to come back to this in a few years to see if I'm true. But I think, you know, in five years, 90 percent of the brands on the aisles will have a founder marketing or celebrity marketing or personality as a part of their, um, you know, connection with consumers. I think it, uh, I really believe that that is, um, that is going to become like incredibly pervasive and the expectation. So, you know, how do you do that responsibly as a business, um, as a celebrity that wants to be a part of a business that wants to start their own business is, you know, truly, you do need to go absolutely back to the basics. Do you have a product? Is it good? Can you make it at a price that people will buy it at? Right. Because we're leveling the playing field now. Like if if 90, if my hypothesis is true and like 90% of the brands are going to have some sort of, you know, some person with an amplifier that attached to them as a founder, like that's everyone screaming all at once. So like it, it becomes like, you know, back to like, Oh, is it just good? You mean we can, we can acquire a customer. Can we keep a customer? Um, do we have like a, a financially sound business? Do we have a structure? Do we have a team? Uh, and I think that what we're what we're experiencing right now is um, the end of the like 1.0 of those brands, where you know a bunch of people went out, and some people got a really great business together and got really you know surrounded themselves with experts in the industry, and you know were and like went out and did it the right way. And there was a lot that were like, oh, I can, um, you know, I have a social following and I can, I just have to shout it out and I have a business and like I, and, and that, you know, it works for Kylie Jenner for sure and the lip kits and that, and all of that. But like, it's not, it, it really, it doesn't work for most. And it's, so I, I really think that the, you can't overestimate the um, importance of like a sound business structure
1: that's very true. Like that you, that you're, that, that you actually have, you know, maybe like a full-time operator operating the business and actually understands from a business perspective. And it's not, um, uh, just, um, you know, someone who maybe happens to have a following, but you know, they're like, okay, I'm going to start a business just to monetize, you know, my following or, or what have you. Um, uh, but they're actually not, they're so, they're much more focused on the actual content side, uh, piece and, uh, from that standpoint and not so much like the operating, the actual, you know, Physical product uh, business that based may, may on
0: especially when you get into um, products that are complicated from a compliance standpoint, like you know alcohol or CBD or THC, right? Like you really want to have your ducks in a row, and like you know, I think um, uh, the Milk Brothers have done an extraordinary job with. Um, uh, happy, happy dad. And, uh, you know, like there are some creators out there right now. And I, I do think we're about to enter into this era of creator led brands. I, I saw um on your TikTok, the, uh, the Emma Chamberlain, uh, Chamberlain coffee um, uh, segment that you did. And, you know, I, that is, that structure, I think, is about to have its heyday in a big way, and it's really going to change the dynamic or our understanding of what a celebrity is or, our, you know, um, Mr. Beast is an obvious example as well, like that, um, that kind of connection and the, you know, where, where, you know, and I don't know who I'm quoting here, so. Forgive me, world. Uh, but you know, every brand has to be a media company now, right? Like that I think that's never been more true. Like the amount of content that you need to pump out just to stay competitive from a marketing standpoint. And so the Emma Chamberlains of the world where, like, you know, that is such a intrinsic skill set. Um, and the Mr. Beat, like that's that is going to be, I would say, like, more valuable than traditional celebrity um in the next few years because um, you know, that, like that connection, it's one thing to have an audience. It's another thing to have an audience that engages. It's another thing to have an audience that buys. It's another thing that has an audience that will buy again and again and again. Right. And so, you know, like that, the creator is about to have a major moment and they just, you know, they have to have the right business structure to be able to support it. And like, uh, and then I, you know, celebrities are going to be going to get great at, you know, filming their own content. A lot of them are already, but some of them are kind of, some of them are still in the Instagram era where it's just like, let me just take a picture, right? And so, um, but most important is, you know, there's such incredible expertise in the CPG business, especially CPG startup business, like a community, like go out and find yourself a team, like invest in the team and the structure and like listen to them is, you know, my kind of my biggest, my biggest piece of, um, of advice for like the entertainers that want to get into building brands.
1: I love that. I love that. I think that's a great, um, I think that's a great spot to, um, uh, uh, to end it, but, um, that's like a great, um, I, I appreciate that, um, um, that example with, uh, Chamberlain coffee. Um, Denise, thank you so much for your time. This is so much fun.
0: This was amazing. Thank you. I could uh, you. I really appreciate your questions. I could like honestly talk for hours. So um, I'm glad you you told me when it was time to call it. And I uh, I look forward to to having this come out and also seeing who who you get next. You get some great people on the show. I learned a lot.
1: That's so kind. That's so kind. Thank you, Denise. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. And there you have it. Thank you, Denise, for coming on the podcast. It was really great reporting this one. If again, if you're enjoying The Consumer VC and you want the full experience, highly recommend subscribing to the newsletter at theconsumervc.com where you're going to receive full updates of all the consumer deals that are happening and as well as all the new uh, podcast episodes that are released. Thanks for listening and subscribing.